You're listening to Captivate and Convert, the weekly podcast created to show you how to attract the people you actually want to work with and get paid to do what only you can do. I'm your host, Christy Sigelski, and each week you can expect legit marketing tips, biz building strategies, and expert advice that'll help you ditch the grind and feel more aligned so you can captivate and convert your audience. If you're ready to grow your business without the struggle, you're in the right place. My guest on today's episode is mindset and self-care coach, Rachel Letham. And here's what I love about her. She helps her clients build businesses that feel as good on the inside as they look on the outside. And because I'm a fan of redefining success and going against the grain when it comes to hustle culture, I wanted to have Rachel on the show to talk about how we can start prioritizing self-care and well-being as entrepreneurs. Now, in this episode, Rachel gives us some super practical tips on creating self-care non-negotiables, as she calls them, and how to work those into our day-to-day lives and eventually build on them so we can build our businesses without sacrificing ourselves in the process. Hey, Rachel, I have really been looking forward to having you on the podcast, so welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, well, thank you. I actually heard about you from my friend and fellow copywriter, Brenna McGowan. I think she tagged you in a post or something, and I was really curious. So, of course, I stalked your profile. (laughs) And (laughs) something in your bio really resonated with me because it's I feel like it's just something that has evolved for me over the last year or so, and I'm all about it. But it was something like, Having a business that feels as good on the outside as it looks, um, or no, feels as good on the inside mm. as it looks on the outside. Yeah. So I really can't wait to hear all about how to make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> but to kick things off, can you share a little bit about yourself and the work that you do? Definitely. Well, I am a positive mindset and self-care coach and I have kind of done the whole corporate journey. I survived kind of corporate burnout myself and have been on my own personal development journey. And I became a coach still when I was I was working part-time and I've kind of evolved over time. But I think the basis has always been about balance, which is a bit of a tricky word, and bringing more self-care or well-being into whatever you're doing. So yeah, the concept of your business feeling as good on the inside as it looks from the outside was all about sometimes people, you know, are like, wow, your business is doing so well. It's so amazing. And you might feel like you're like the swans underneath. You're just paddling away. And actually there's just so much going on. You're not even having time to clean your teeth in the morning. And, you know, you're doing really well in your business, but that is just not sustainable. And it's about how to make sure that you can have more balance and direction without burning out because you are your business. So therefore you've got to, you know, make sure that you're doing the best that you can for your own well-being. And then actually even just this week, I've slightly changed my niche slightly to work with still female business owners, but also what I like to call stressed out mums, but ambitious mums. So I am a mum of a 21 month year old and I realized that actually a lot of what I try to do to make sure my own well-being is good for myself and my business 
still just is applicable to whether you've got a business, whether you've got a job or whether you're a stay-at-home mum. So I have kind of slightly changed it to focus on the stressed mum who is ambitious, but she wants to create the life that she actually enjoys outside of her various roles. Yeah, I love that. I, I think I can definitely relate to, you know, seeing sort of the way that things in the online business world sort of play out on social media. And, you know, it can it can look like all rainbows and butterflies and six and seven figure businesses, but like really at what cost, right? Like I've really been thinking about that a lot lately because, you know, we hear so much about hustle culture and just doing the thing and it's like grinding and this and that. And I, like, I at, really at what cost at the end of the day, like, what are you giving up to hit those numbers or to have the quote unquote successful business? So I feel like, you know, I'm in a place where I'm definitely looking at kind of redefining what that looks like, at least for, for myself, you know? Yeah, definitely. Because I think we go through different stages of life, different stages of our business, different stages of, I kind of can't call it your seasons of life. And we have to kind of adjust and keep checking in with ourselves and making sure we're in the right space, but also making sure that like we're doing the best for ourselves so that we can still be here in five, 10 years time, maybe doing the same thing, maybe doing something different, but it's making sure it's like embedding some really positive, powerful habits now so that we're good for the long term. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's so let's just dive in because you're talking about, you know, prioritizing yourself and almost like as a strategy for business growth. So can you talk a little bit about how our well-being impacts our ability to run our businesses effectively? Yeah, definitely. So really it's all about, and this doesn't matter whether you're a solo business owner or running a team, but if your business effectively is kind of you and you're behind it. There is only a certain amount that you can keep going and keep them sort of maintaining success and make it sustainable before certain things give. And whether that is your physical self-care or your mental well-being or just time with family and your social life, there's, there's going to be periods of time where you know you've got to dig deep and just kind of go with it because that's how you're running your business. But you can't do that all the time. There's only so much kind of beast mode you can be in and so it's about making sure that you're not just working like in your business but you're working on your business and also on yourself so that there are kind of strategies in place and habits I don't want to make strategies makes it sound like really scientific and rigid but just really good habits to help you in those days where you really struggle but also kind of lift you up in those days where you're having a really good day. So it's about creating a bit more balance and harmony when you are your business. And if you all of a sudden burn out, what happens to your business? That's the kind of key thing. Yeah. I love that you talked about seasons because I think that that's something, you know, a lot of us kind of don't have the understanding of like, it's okay. You know, things are going to ebb and flow. And like, sometimes you're going to be you know, working more hours and and sometimes you're going to be pulling back a little bit. And, it, you know, it just kind of depends where you are in, in what season you're in, just like you said. Mm, I think it's having awareness of that and almost allowing yourself to be in that space 
and also sometimes telling other people so that they understand, you know, your friends and family, you know, it's giving a bit of boundaries and going, do you know what? I've got like a really busy festive season coming up. If you've got kind of a Christmas related shop or something like that, like set the boundaries so that people know you might not answer the phone for the next six weeks, but at the end of that, I'm going to take two weeks off or I'm going to do this. And just making sure that you know where you're at in that season, but also other people so they can look after you, so they can support you, but also so that they're not stressing you out in the process. Yeah, definitely. I love I love that having an end time, like knowing, okay, I've got to do this for two weeks, the next two weeks, and then I'm going to I'm going to take a little bit of time off. That's always helpful for me. So you've said that it's important to create non-negotiables. What that's what you call what you call non-negotiables when it comes to self-care. So what are some of your non-negotiables and how do you suggest people kind of, you know, make those decisions? Like what is a non-negotiable for them? Yeah. So the way that I just kind of describe it is your non-negotiable is something that you need to do every single day or at least once a week to be feeling your best self in kind of physical, mental, emotional sort of space. So they can be different things and they're very different things for different people. And again, different times of the year, they might be different. And usually we work out what they are by getting to the end of the week and realizing that we're not in a good place. So maybe you've not had such great sleep and you've had, you know, you've been burning the candle at both ends or you've been having really late nights. Maybe you've realized not eaten very healthily that week maybe realize that you haven't touched base with any of your friends. So usually we start working them out when we've got to the other side, like the wrong side of it, and then work out, actually, that's what I need to reset and work on. But I try and help people before they get to that point. But it's really about understanding, you know, what's important to you. So you've got the whole kind of concept of the miracle morning and doing yoga and meditation and affirmations and all of this stuff. And I used to be a kind of 5.15 a.m. person doing that before my corporate career. Now it doesn't work for me because I have a 21 month year old and I don't want to see 5.15 a.m. unless he's got me up in the morning <laughs> for some hideous reason. So my sleep is a little bit more protected. But what I do is I look at my whole week and I look at what do I need to do every day? So f- for me, for example, is drinking enough water. I'm a bit of a migraine sufferer. And so drinking enough water is quite key for me, but also making sure that I've got good coffee in the house. Like I like good coffee. That is a non-negotiable for me. We do not run out of coffee in my house. But also things like making sure I'm fitting some fitness into my week. And I'm a little bit flexible with this. So I look at my diary and I work out when is the best time for me to fit in my online bar class or my spin session. I basically do that when I have childcare. So I'm not stressing about trying to fit it in today when I've got my son. But also, for example, on Monday, my aim was at 9.30 to be logging into my online bar class and doing that. And I can't remember what happened now, but basically that that just wasn't possible. I think my son was poorly or something. And so I was like, right, let's just look at the schedule again. And I moved it to Tuesday and I did it and I felt great. So it's about having things that are important to you. So for me, it's different during the winter than the summer. I like to be outside a lot more. I like to be doing fitness outside a lot more. And it's making sure that you are scheduling in some time for those things so that you don't get to the end of the week and then you forget that actually you haven't caught up with any friends or you definitely know you haven't drunk enough water you know what are the things that light you up that energize you that keep you going and it's making sure you put them into your week 
but in a kind of semi-flexible way, because I think sometimes people get a bit annoyed with themselves and a bit overwhelmed if they then forget to do it or don't make it happen. And that's kind of detrimental because you kind of, it's a slippery slope to just thinking, well, what's the point in trying to fit it in? It's not going to work. So having some flexibility is key. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. I think flexibility is is a hard thing for some people. And I know, like, I really struggled with that for a long time. And it, it was really one of the reasons that I was so resistant to time blocking because I was like, you know, I don't need any more rigid rules. And if I put this, you know, system in place and it, I don't follow it to the letter, you know, I'm just going to feel awful about it. But what I found sort of in practice is that it actually allowed me to be more flexible and have more free time by giving myself, you know, that little bit of structure. So I don't know, it was just interesting how kind of the idea of setting up this, this boundary or this structure for myself was really kind of a little bit off-putting at first, but it ended up being one of the best things I could do. Mm, Definitely. And I think, yeah, people sometimes get a bit triggered by not doing the things that they want to be doing or doing really great for three days and then, you know, falling off the wagon and it not being good. But I like to see it as kind of like, how has your whole week gone? Don't just treat each day as, oh, that was a terrible day. Like, look at the week overall. Probably there's been some really good wins and there's been some stuff that's maybe not worked out how you liked it to, but have you been able to create some shifts? And I think by having a bit of structure actually does give you a bit more space to maneuver and deal with kind of all the stuff life throws at you. Whereas if you're super structured, you tend to panic because you don't have time for problems. But also sometimes when you don't structure at all, it's almost like you're not making the best of that time. So you tend to kind of procrastinate and not actually get anything done. So it, I think we're both in a good happy medium space. Yeah. I here's So here's a tricky, tricky thing that I like, I just kind of thought of this. What about, you know, you're creating these non-negotiables for yourself, but, you know, how do you kind of separate out what the, what the things are what the non-negotiables are that really you truly want to incorporate versus what you think you quote unquote should be incorporating. Because I feel like a lot of us, especially women, kind of fall into this. Like, oh, we should exercise or, you know, we should, I, I don't know, eat this certain way or whatever it is. So it can, it can easily be something that, it, it, something that is really designed to make you feel good and, and operate at your highest level can be another like to do. Oh yeah, completely. So there's three, there's three things I want to cover there. First of all, what you just said, I always feel and tell everybody self-care isn't another thing to add to your to-do list. It should just become these tiny habits that you embed over time that almost you don't notice. And sometimes it will just become, you know, you will drink enough water and it's just training yourself to get to that certain point. Secondly, I'm all for banning the word should when it comes to self-care or well-being because, you know, yes, we all should do certain things, but we don't have to. And actually, how can we live our life in a better kind of holistic way that doesn't involve all the shoulds? And lastly, when it comes to self-care and well-being, my catchphrase is you do you. So I, I kind of went through a year where I felt like I should do more yoga. And actually, it's just not really my thing. Like it took me a, many years to realize that slower fitness was still a good thing because I was like an adrenaline junkie. 
and running and doing spin classes and stuff like that. But to tap into it every now and again is great, but it's just really not me. And so you've got to enjoy what you're doing and you've got to enjoy what you are adding as a non-negotiable. And it does change as well. So meditation for me, I mean, I, I run a meditation and mindfulness session for many of my corporate clients, but I don't meditate every day and I don't actually meditate every week because I lean into it when I need to. I quite like to start the week sometimes on a Monday having a meditation just to get into like a really good space. But if I don't do it, I don't get stressed out about it. So it's working out like it's having a toolkit of ideas of what nourishes you and lifts you up and energizes you. But like delving into that and you don't have to do all of it all at once because then you you are going to stress out because you realize you don't have enough time to do everything else or how it fits into your schedule. So I think it's very much what do you, I always say, what do you need in this moment? And quite often when I've been either like stressed with a deadline or feeling a bit under the weather, I will go, well, I was supposed to do a bar class today, but actually, do I really want to do that? No, I'm going to go outside and have a walk instead. Like have that level of flexibility with yourself to really tap into what do you need in that moment? Because that's that's ultimately what you need. It's not about what you should be doing. Yeah, I love that. I, I, I love the way that you explain that. And it really does come down to, again, flexibility and, and really just kind of tapping into what you need at that moment. Because what you need to do, you know, today, the, in the morning today to kind of get yourself going is maybe not what you're going to need tomorrow. It probably depends on how much sleep you got and, you know, how you ate the day before, all of those different things. And I... I used to really get stressed out about, I know you mentioned Miracle Morning and like I tried that whole thing for a while and it just, it really was very, very stressful because I felt like I was just, I had to do all the things to try to start my day off right. And really like the, not all of those things felt aligned for me. And, you know, it's, I, I think for me finding that I could, it was okay to take it day by day. And maybe one morning I feel like journaling. And maybe one morning I feel like going out for a walk and maybe another morning I feel like going in the sauna. You know, it just kind of depends on where I'm at. So I love that. Okay, so once, you know, you've decided on what your non-negotiables are and like the tr- the ones that you truly feel aligned with, how can you start to make them part of your day-to-day routine? So there's a couple of things that I kind of tap into here, but it's about making them an easy to do habit. So, you know, don't try and change everything at once. First of all, there's a couple of ways you can do it. So there's a principle called the eight by six rule, which is that there are eight blocks of six week sessions throughout the year. So really to embed like a new habit, it can take six weeks. So maybe just do one at a time. So maybe one of them is to try and spend every Tuesday and Thursday morning doing some fitness before you start work on your business. Dedicate six weeks to do it don't expect big changes and don't try and don't try and do everything at once so you can do it in that way or you can start really small start really tiny so when it comes to sort of the world of mindfulness and meditation maybe it's just doing a minute of of focusing on your breath and then maybe it's moving up to five minutes of guided meditation using youtube and then maybe it's the 10 minute um, daily calm app every morning like Build it up and also see what works for you and how that kind of aligns with, do you want to do that in the morning? Do you want to do that in the evening? So it's really thinking about 
What's the habit you want to embed? How best does it fit into your day or your energy flow? Some people are, you know, really a lot more energetic in the morning, some people more energetic in the evening. And thinking about like, what tools do you need to embed it in a strong way? And for example, I've just come out of a kind of fitness challenge of doing 2000 squats for November for charity. Whoa. Yeah, I know. So basically I worked out, I had to do about 70 or 80 squats a day, every day. And obviously if I did less, then I'd have to do more on other days. And the way that I thought, how can I make sure I do this without getting to the end of the week and thinking, oh my gosh, I've got to do, you know, 200 at once, is I had a piece of paper next to the kettle and every single time I went to make a coffee or went to boil the kettle to make dinner or something like that, I would literally give myself like a check mark and I had to do 10 to 20 squats. So this probably goes, shows how much coffee I drink during the day. (laughs) I basically, you know, use that in that way. And I did have days where, you know, I had a throat infection during some of it. My son was really sick during some of it. So I did like 20 a day, some days, other days I did 150. Having basically what I did there is I stacked it onto another habit. So the habit was boiling the kettle, having my morning coffee, but I did 20 squats whilst the kettle was boiling because that's empty time. So I call these things empty minutes. Like how can you tap into, because a lot of people say, I don't have time for self-care. I don't have time for doing this because I'm just running my business and running family life. And I go, actually you do. Like there's so many empty minutes in the day. So if you can tag another habit onto one something you're already doing. So for example, another one, I'm a bit obsessed, but if you're also boiling the kettle to make a cup of coffee, have a glass of water next to it. So that every time you go and get a hot drink, you're having a glass of water. Like how can you make your brain associate different things with something you're already doing? Because that's a stronger way to really embed like a new habit. Yeah, I love that. And I've actually never heard of the, what did you call the eight by six? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've never heard of that. I think that's a, that's a really good idea. And, you know, one thing that I've sort of figured out, you mentioned like, don't try to change everything all at once. I feel like that was my biggest flaw for so many years. Like if I was trying to lose weight, it would be like, oh, you know, I'm going to change my diet and I'm going to start exercising six days a week and I'm going to, you know, quit drinking wine, <laughs> like all of the things. And it really, like, it's just too much, right? It's too, it's too much. It's too overwhelming and it's too much change all at once. But I've really found in the last couple of years that being a little bit more patient with myself <laughs> and allowing sort of the slow changes is really a whole lot more effective and a whole lot less stressful. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And more sustainable in the long run. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Now, I know that you you offer a vision board course. I think I just read about it on Instagram. And I'm curious, like I've I've never I've never made a vision board. I actually, I don't know, I'm kind I've kind of been resistant to the idea, but I'm curious how a vision board fits into the process of creating these positive habits that can help you grow your business and take care of yourself at the same time. Is that sort of part of what you teach in that course? Yeah, definitely. So it's about using the vision board as a tool, as part of like your wider process. So before, when I was using vision boards, I think I was more focused on the goals and the outcomes, but not necessarily how it had sort of holistically fitted into my well-being and how I wanted to feel as a business owner and as, you know, a wife and a mother. And it's 
what I've realized is it's, it's part of a wider package. So a lot of people say to me, well, I don't do vision boards or I'm not creative. I, I don't want to create something that looks, you know, not very great to, to look at every day. And I'm like, it's not necessarily about that. What it's about is getting clear on your goals, which as business owners, that's what we want to do. Work out what are all the milestones to hit them and how can we achieve those goals? Getting really clear on your vision about what that vision looks like. But I'm all about what does that vision feel like? Like what is the energy space that you need to get into to achieve it? And it's about how to take inspired action to achieve those goals. So I don't just kind of leave you hanging with this nice, pretty to look at vision board. It's like, right, how do you take inspired action? And part of that is building in these positive, powerful habits. And those habits can be about your well-being, but they're also about how you sort of live your life and therefore how do you work towards those goals? How do you create the vision? How do you celebrate that? So it's it's kind of a wider structure um, that incorporates these positive, powerful habits and the vision board process, but it's really tapping into how do you want to feel when you achieve your goals? Yeah. So I have really like been thinking about that a lot in these past couple of years. Like every, I don't, I don't really do like New Year's resolutions, but I definitely have in the last two years kind of had that thought of like, okay, how do I want to feel this year? Like what's the overall feeling that I want to bring to my business or, you know, my fitness or to my marriage, whatever it is. But I think it's a really hard shift to make sometimes when you are focusing on the feeling and the energy versus like the concrete goal, like say a number that you want to hit in your business or a certain number of pounds you want to lose or something like that. So like, how do you recommend kind of making, starting to make that shift from, you know, looking at like measuring everything so strictly to bringing it into more of like, the energy space. It's about a balance of both, but basically within my vision board course, there's kind of, there's five steps to how to create a vision board, but there's about 10 workbooks to, to work through. I ask a lot of, of powerful questions. That's how I get you thinking. And that's how I get you shifting from it, not just being about the numbers, but actually why is that important? It's always the why, like I'm probably one of those annoying kids that goes, why, why? <laughs> like, okay, so you want to shift 20 pounds why? What does that mean to you? How are you going to feel? What happens next? And so the vision part is actually quite big and, and sometimes can be quite scary. But the reason that we sort of do the course is to make it less overwhelming and to be able to help you focus on different key areas. But it's that you will be more successful in reaching that goal if you tap into the energy of why you want to do it, how you want to feel once you've achieved it, and kind of like what's next on that journey. Sometimes otherwise we get to a goal and we achieve it and it's kind of like, oh, okay. Like you've really got to be focused in on it. And the reason that I talk about using vision boards, mine's up right next to me here and I see it every single day and I'm looking at it every single day and I'm tapping into the energy of it and the images that are on there are really important to me. And that keeps me going when I'm not having such a good day or when I kind of lose sight a little bit of my goals or I start wanting to do something else. I have what I call shiny object syndrome. So there's always a course I want to be doing. There's always something new that I want to be doing to the house. And it's like, no, these are the things that your goals for this year, focus in on those, tap back into the energy. And I talk about when you create the vision board, really trying to get into the energy of what does that vision look like? 
I also create a vision board playlist. So I'm tapping into all the senses here so that it keeps you focused. It keeps you grounded and it reminds you why you're doing all the stuff that you're doing every single day. And I feel that that is just such more powerful than going to the gym because you want to lose 25 pounds and this is the target and I've got to get like next week I'm almost there and I've just got to keep going but like how are you going to feel at the end of that and why is it important to you it's really getting into it in a more deep way but in a practical sense by you know following my worksheets that I have and following the questions that I ask and getting you thinking about things maybe in a slightly different way to really kind of solidify what you want to achieve yeah I think, you know, something that I've found really interesting about kind of shifting that to feelings versus, I don't know, focusing too much on stats is that it really makes you kind of feel into like, do you really want something or not? Right. Because I I think a lot of times, you know, we we set these goals because, you know, everybody else has a similar goal. And like we think it's what we're supposed to do. It's like the next milestone or whatever. But when you really give yourself the space to think about, well, why do you want that? You know, what what's the feeling that it's going to produce or how is it going to change your life day to day? And sometimes I, you know, I found that I'm like, well, I actually guess I don't really want that <laughs> as a goal, you know? Yeah, Definitely. And I think it's really important to every so often just check in with yourself and make sure that that has that goal shifted. What does it look like? Are you still on the right path? And I feel like for me, having this vision board just keeps it really simple because I've got images that conjure up certain feelings for me. I've got powerful words on there and it's just, it's guiding me. It's giving me a bit of focus so that when life does get a bit overwhelming or you have that next new idea or you feel like sort of the walls are closing in slightly. You can just remember what you want to do really and how you want to feel and kind of have a reset. Yeah, I can definitely relate to shiny object syndrome for sure. I'm always like, what can I do now? What can I do now? (laughs) All right, Rachel, are you ready for the Christy questions? Oh, I'm a bit scared, but I'll go for it. (laughs) All right, nothing too scary. I know you are... A bookworm. I am too. I love reading. But I'm curious if you had to choose one book that maybe was mandatory reading, what would it what would it be and why? Gosh. I feel like I should say something like really big and clever here. <laughs> but, but I'm like, oh, there's like so many weaving in. Again, it depends on my mood, it depends on my needs. But I think from what we've been talking about right here and from what has actually created quite a shift for me is the Tiny Habits book by BJ Fogg. So he is the one that talks about how small changes change everything and how it needs to be incremental. It's not about these big shifts in your life. And also it's not about what you should be doing, which is, you know, what we've already talked about. So it was just a really, it was a really easy read. Like there's a lot of personal development books out there that I struggle with. And I've probably got about four on my kind of audio that I just, I haven't got through because it just, I've lost <laughs> the thread of it. Yeah. This one I read really quickly and I really enjoyed and I talk about it a lot with a lot of people. So I think probably, I mean, it is, it is well known, but it's probably something that a lot of people aren't aware of. So BJ Fogg with two G's, Tiny Habits, 
So I feel like it should have been more profound than that, but that one's good for me. No, hey, I love it. I actually, it's funny because that book was actually a gift. It's sitting on my bookshelf opposite of my desk and I have not opened it yet. So good to know. Well, here's a tiny habit for you to go start that off. So people always say to me, (laughs) I don't have time to read books. And I'm like, I know I'm a bookworm and I make time and I love it. And I I can't read these kind of books at night because my brain just gets going. So these are usually like during the day. What I did was literally just say, you don't even need to read a chapter a day. Read five pages a day, then make it 10 pages a day. But you can get through a book quite quickly by reading 10 pages a day. So whether that's like when you have your lunch, whether that's, you you know, you're going to say before I start doing anything for the day, I'm going to read 10 pages. Like it doesn't take that long a time, but actually it gets you moving through the stuff that you want to read. I have a huge pile of books in my office I'd love to read. So that's my tip, which kind of goes with the book, really. Start small. Yeah, I I like that because I think it's just sometimes it's the thought of doing something that is just overwhelming, but it's like once you actually like dip into that's it. That's a whole nother book, which was kind of <laughs> flitting in was the five second rule from Mel Robbins. So yeah, so when you're thinking, I really, you know, I really want to be reading a book, five, four, three, two, one, start reading before your brain kicks in and says what else you should be doing for the day. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. <laughs> All right. Last question. What is the one thing that you would most like to change about the world? Goodness. That's a big one. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot. And for some people, this again might not be very profound, but it again covers what we've been talking about is the concept. And this is like a two pronged concept of self care selfish. And I don't have time for self care because actually, if we don't look after ourselves first, and this is this is normally where I start. This is where my book starts is the whole oxygen mask kind of safety demonstration video on the airplane. So if you don't put your own oxygen mask on before helping others, you can't help others. So this is where my idea of self-care is not selfish, it's savvy. And actually, I think people are confused about what self-care is and what it could be, what it should be, and also how you can bring it into your life in tiny ways. So I feel like there's two elements that people do think it's selfish and also they just don't have time for it. But I feel like if we don't make time for it now, where are we going to be in like 10, 20 years time? So it might not be profound to loads of people, but I think actually it's, it's a quite important topic that we need to think about for ourselves. Definitely. I, th- I think it, you know, none of this, I mean, all the self-care stuff sounded really fluffy and nice to me for many, many years. And it wasn't really until just recently that I really feel like I got it, you know, like really got it on a deep level. Because I was one of those people that was like, oh, you know, self-care is about like spa days and, you know, manicures and pedicures. And like those things are nice sometimes, but that's not really what, what it means. And you know, it's pretty easy to get resentful of the people around you and, you know, what you quote unquote have to do every day when you don't make any space for self-care. And I don't, you know, I mean, it just basically comes down to like, I don't want to live that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And it's, it changes. I think that's the important thing. It doesn't have to be the same thing all the time changes with the seasons it changes with the season of life you're in 
and it changes like on a literal day-to-day basis. So I think it really is. And I'm, I'm kind of struggling. Like I feel like there's another word. I haven't worked out what it is, but self-care almost like isn't r- the right kind of phrase, but it's, it really is about what do you need in this moment? Like right now, by the end of the day, can you have achieved that so that you are feeling good and you're feeling like you could do tomorrow, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This is su- such good stuff, Rachel. Where can people connect with you if they want to learn more about your vision board course or anything else, any of your other resources? Mm, definitely. So I'm mainly on Instagram. I love a bit of Instagram. So I'm at Rachel Letham. I also have a self-care feed and a self-care shop, which is at self-care survival kit, which is also the name. Ooh, of I love that. Yeah. So the self-care survival kit is a newsletter that I send out every month to help bring in a little bit of self-care into your day-to-day life. I send kind of like an editor's letter on a topic and I share two tips. So it's really easy. And then I kind of usually share some other resources or what else is going on in my life at the time. So yeah, people can sign up to the self-care survival kit newsletter via my bio on Instagram. And I'm also on Facebook at Rachel Letham Coach. And I will be running a free five-day challenge in January on how to create a vision board and take inspired action. So it doesn't have to be just for business owners. It can be for anyone who is interested in that and wants to find out more. So I'll be launching that in January and I'll be talking about that, I'm sure, on Instagram coming up. And the vision board course, you can also find via my link in my bio on Instagram, but it's also on Teachable, the vision board course. Oh, nice. That sounds amazing. I will actually, I'll get the links from you so that I can put all of the links you mentioned in the show (laughs) notes and that way it'll just be easier for people. But thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. It's been really nice to chat to you. Hey, hey, thanks for tuning into the podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to support the podcast by leaving a five-star review and subscribing and sharing it with your biz besties. Your ratings and reviews help us reach more listeners who want to leave hustle mode behind and grow their businesses with ease. And don't forget to post a screenshot of this episode on your IG stories and tag me at Christy Sigelski so I can repost you. If you want to take the guesswork out of what to say in your emails and how to say it in a way that resonates with the people you actually want to work with, you need to grab my brand new freebie. Now, you've probably heard me say this at least a hundred times, but connection is what leads to conversions and making your subscribers feel seen and heard is the key to making that connection and building the relationship. So I put together a sweet little guide for you that breaks down my connect Captivate and Convert Framework, which teaches you how to become biz besties with your subscribers and gives you the goods on converting them to clients organically. Now, because I know the next logical question is probably, what should I write about in my emails? There's a bonus section with a list of newsletter ideas that's going to give you swipeable email content for months. This is honestly the most value-packed freebie I've ever created, and I really can't wait for you to get your hands on it. So if you're ready to write emails that sell without all the bro marketing mayhem, go grab the free guide, How to Write Emails That Sell, plus 20 must-read newsletter ideas at the link in the show notes.